0: Welcome back to the True Crime Guys podcast. I'm Lauren and I'm Michael. Well, welcome to 2022, everybody. Here Hope we you are. had a great holiday season and you're ready for some creeping in the new year. Hopefully, it's better than the last two years. And right. Uh, well, if not, then we'll keep you entertained throughout it, right? And that's right. We're always here for you. That's right. We're here for that little distraction. <laughs> that's right. And this week we've got a hell of a case that's got so much. To it, it's just like a, it's like an iceberg. It, my mind you is think still one twisting the, around from this case, Lauren. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I, man, it's I don't know if we've ever covered a case quite like this that has so much, so many elements to it. So much has changed. You know, less now than you knew when the murder happened, which right. was almost 30 years ago, yeah, in exactly. 1993. And, and that's and it, it's still ongoing. It, you know, there's still like hearings going on. There was in December of 2021. Mm-hmm. So and there's going to be more coming up, I'm sure. But right, and that's possible we corruption. There's possible corruption on the part of the police. There's a possible uh, wrongful conviction. There's uh, a crazy prison break that's involved in this story, a serial killer. Like, it's it's, oh, it's all crazy. over the place. Yep. And also, it's
1: unsolved. So, just a warning. I know some of you don't like unsolved cases. This case is technically
0: still unsolved, right? Yeah, I, I, technically, it's solved. Technically, two men went, went to prison. One of them served a full sentence for the murder. Well, yeah. I guess but, we'll get into like it. Like I said on the books it's solved but it's Mm -hmm. uh, you know a lot of people are not happy and say that it wasn't so yeah including myself but we'll talk about it yeah exactly so yeah let's get into it let's do it
1: hey hey could have been me some say we were having an affair hey hey could have been me but tell me
0: case this week. We are going to Buffalo, New York, to Niagara County. Um Oh New York. In the in the early nineties. Yep. Good old New York. Almost Canada. Yeah. Yeah, we right
1: up there. And I've titled this
0: I've titled this case, Who Killed Deborah Mendel? Um that's at least the name of the crime line. I'm not sure what you'll what kind of um fun name you'll have for the episode, but I don't know, I might use that. It's not not bad. It's it's an aptly name because ultimately there is I don't think too many people are happy with the way that this thing was closed out. You know, the, the two men that went to prison, it's not a whole lot on them proving their guilt. It's kind of crazy that they got a conviction with as little as they had. No doubt. Um, but uh, yeah, there's some
1: fishy stuff going on. There's some people with connections, some yep. uh, seems like some law enforcement collaboration with criminals and whatnot. Mm-hmm. There's
0: there's a lot of fishy stuff going on in this case. Yeah, it's it's one you're going to have to pay close attention to. You can't halfway listen to this episode because there's going to be a lot of names and a lot of like twists and turns to this thing. Right. I'll try not to take us on too many tangents. <laughs> there That's you right. go. Because this case is entertaining in itself. It really is. Yeah. So yeah, like I like I mentioned, we're going to Niagara County, Buffalo, New York, North Tonawanda to be specific. Is a oh, it's, it's a so city fun to say. Yeah, North Tonawanda. Tonawanda. It's a Tonawanda. city in Niagara County, New York, and is part of the Buffalo Niagara Falls metropolitan area. The city is named after Tonawanda Creek, which is uh, at its south border. So it has this creek running through the town. Um, okay. It's a small city. That's population has seemed to stay right in the thirty thousand range. I looked up their population in nineteen ninety was actually bigger than it is now. It was like thirty mid thirties, and now it's like the low thirties. Um, mm. So smaller town, but part of a right. bigger metropolitan area, obviously. Um, it's just north of Buffalo city limits. Uh, the Tonawanda neighborhood where the Mendels, which is the focus of this episode, we mentioned, you know, the name Barbara, uh, Deborah Mendel, um, mm-hmm. the, the neighborhood in which her and her family lived in Tonawanda was a collection of modest homes, a quiet enclave just uh, just off the Niagara River. And in 1993, the Mendels, which consisted of Deborah, her husband, Donald, and their two daughters, Jessica, who was 10 and Lisa, who was seven all lived in a small house in Tonawanda Creek. Uh, this, this house was on 84 Franklin Street. It had two entrances, one uh, on a narrow front porch and the other at the back of the house. Right. Um, this is all important details because this is where a murder would take place. Um, I wanna quickly mention the um, main study source for this case while I'm thinking about it. Um, there's a fantastic New York Times article that's one of those articles that's it's, it's almost like a short book. It's so detailed. Um, and the article is called "A Murder, Gold Bars, A Jailbreak, and Questions About Justice." Um, highly recommend if you're interested in this case, checking out that article. There, it will be linked in our episode description right. as well, of course, as usual. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that was our main study source, as well as you know how I do it—I go down the rabbit hole and start looking up old articles from the early '90s <laughs> when this case was fresh to get you know other details to mix in. So, right, right. I was
1: just pulling up a uh, Google Maps of 84 Tonawanda, I mean, 84 Franklin Street, Tanawanda. Mm-hmm. It's just a small little house, like a little, uh, what here in the South, we'd call a mill village house.
0: Mm-hmm. That's what it looks like to me. It sounds like it was, you know, not the biggest properties, very close neighbors, things like that around, so. Yeah, it just looks like a historic downtown now. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Okay so yeah deborah mendel was working towards becoming a nurse at the time she was a part-time intern at the sisters hospital and went to niagara county community college for most of her classes her husband donald worked at a taco bell inside of the walden galleria mall um, yeah i believe he was the manager yeah. wasn't he yeah. yeah but not for long <laughs> uh, right right right
1: um and so <laughs> go ahead I was just going to say he has a terrible day on the day of his wife's murder before even discovering that his wife was murdered.
0: And that day would be February 17th, 1993, when Deborah Mendel and the girls had left for school that morning, like usual. I believe it was a Wednesday morning. Mm -hmm. Um, And uh, Mr. Mendel went to his job at Taco Bell. Shortly before noon, however, a neighbor in that neighborhood um, on Franklin Street spotted a young man walking down the family's driveway um, they also saw him this this person open the gate and turn toward the house. Um, also allegedly a po- a postal worker heard some noises inside the home when she delivered the mail and also found it odd that the dog, Taffy that they had usually, you know, barked whenever she would deliver the mail, right? No barking from Taffy. So some strange reportings from the neighborhood that day. Um, right. Meanwhile, odd. some t- yeah, meanwhile, sometime between two fifteen and two thirty p m, Deborah arrived home alone. She'd gotten done with class early, um, and then just after 3 p.m., Jessica, the oldest daughter, came home from school, and this is where she would find a gruesome scene. Her mother, um, she would find her mother um, bound and murdered. She'd been stabbed and strangled. Um, hmm. Yeah, not the scene that you want your 10-year-old daughter to find. Um, and her backpack would be dropped um, and and left right there at the scene. Um, meanwhile, Donald Mendel. Uh, you know, the husband that worked at Taco Bell thought he was having a bad day already on this day of February 17th. Sitting in the uh, Walden Gallery of Food Court, he learned from a Taco Bell district representative that he had been fired from his job as the manager of the Taco Bell in the mall. Um, and the reasoning behind the firing was sexual harassment. He had had some reports from coworkers, and he was actually dating, we would come to find out, one of the 17-year-old employees. Yes. And I believe he was, I think he was, what, thirty. 34 30 something like in his uh, early to mid 30s yeah kind of creepy so sus yeah right that's just such there's a lot of behavior. sus. for being honest there's a lot of sus stuff you can find about donald mendel if you really look um there's and, some allegations about him with an even younger child uh-oh. at one point um yeah
1: mm. well so, i mean well, now
0: everyone in this case <laughs> yes
1: yeah. like every person you look at you're like oh he did it
0: yeah um Yeah, Don, it would be reported later that the Mendels had an open relationship, that Deborah was okay with him, um, you know, dating other women or whatever. Yeah, but what about affairs with minors? Yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. not so sure if she knew about that, you know, and was cool. I doubt she'd be cool with that. Yeah, me too. It's pretty creepy, considering especially that they have two daughters, one of them that's a teen, you know, that's just kind of gross.
1: Oh, yeah, I didn't think about that. Wow. Yeah, good point. Mm -hmm. He's literally dating someone just a little older than his daughter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So he just, uh, Donald just found out that, uh, he got fired from his job. He's sitting in the food court. And then, um, half an hour later, as he unwound at the pizzeria Uno's, uh, in the mall, you know, d- contemplating what he's going to do now for work, a former coworker rushed in to tell him that there was an emergency at his house. Um, he was told that one of his daughters had discovered her mother, his wife, Deborah, handcuffed, stabbed, and strangled with a necktie. Now I don't know if this coworker knew all those details yet but right. you know probably told him hey something's happened to your wife along those something along those lines.
1: Right, right, right.
0: I mean they could have. I mean that was all Maybe. that's all information you would know from this initial scene so yeah. So um meanwhile on the scene detective David Bentley uh, who was a veteran officer with a reputation for closing cases, responded to the call at uh, on Franklin Street, mm-hmm. and upon arrival carried a video camera and recorded as he and a technician cataloged the evidence. Um, it was as Mr. Bentley said in a recent interview, quote, one of the least likely houses you would think someone from Buffalo would burglarize. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I agree. It, like I said,
1: that's why I wanted to look it up on
0: Google Maps, because I saw this
1: quote as well. And back in the day, yeah. it, now it looks like it's been redone with siding and different paint and whatnot. But back in the day, it was like a almost like a wood siding cabin looking little house up mm-hmm. there. It, it definitely, it just looked like a middle class American. It didn't look like a a house that you would rob in hopes of a big score. It really did not. <laughs> no, you know. Well,
0: and it's very knowing what we know at this point. It's very unlikely that this was a robbery gone bad. This was more an intentional hit on this woman right right for one reason or another there's multiple uh motives depending on the uh perpetrator you believe did it you know a- absolutely which a- could be one of many people that we will go through on this this is one of those true whodunits you need you know, to remember yeah you need to remember everyone in this case so take a minute right now and remember yeah. detective david bentley remember that yeah. name as well and also the, hu- the husband donald donald Yes, Donald Mendel. Yep. That's two potential suspects That's so right. far. Hold, hold on to them, guys. Keep them in your keep them <laughs> yeah. in your mind. There's more coming, though. Don't worry. <laughs> yeah. So Detective Bentley was recording the scene, um, and it was February 17th, 1993 at 3:43 p.m., which was st- time stamped on the video of him walking around the crime scene. He went inside the house and calmly detailed what he saw. Quote, this is the front door. This is the blanket that daughter Jessica found covering the door, partially blocking her entrance when she came in the front door today. That's creepy. Yeah, it is. Like you get home from school and there's a blanket hanging in in front of the front door. Yeah. It's like, oh, we never do this. Obviously. What the hell is this? Yeah, that that would definitely give me pause. Um, uh, He then directed the camera toward a brown and yellow stitch blanket. Jessica's purple backpack still lay on the floor um, and was visible on Mr. Bentley's recording of the scene. You know, she had walked in, found what she found, and dropped her backpack. And, and, yeah, naturally, and, uh, in shock. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the camera then c- captured the gruesome scene. Quote, the living room, that's the dining room, and the victim, obviously. The blood spatter is all, all here on the floor. Some things were knocked out of the china cabinet. There's a ring on the victim's hand, a trail of blood running this way into the dining room. And the mm-hmm. fact that the ring was still on the victim's hand, among other things, mm-hmm. to me, Screams not a burglary necessarily, yep, not I mean, a why robbery. Wouldn't you, why wouldn't you take a wedding ring off the victim's hand if, if you're just trying to get a score? You know that's probably one of the more valuable things in that home. Oh yeah, no doubt, no doubt. It would not have been missed. Um, a five-inch steak knife with blood on the handle and blade was jammed into a kitchen drawer. Blood was also left on a dog toy, a recipe book, and a gravy boat. So blood all over the place. Yep. Um, chairs were overturned. Uh, drawers were rifled through. And on the floor lie a lifeless Miss Mendel repeatedly stabbed her hands cuffed behind her back and strangled by her husband's necktie still looped around her neck. Mm. So very uh, violent m- murder that here- occurred here. A very doubt. personal. That's what I was going to uh, say. Either very the multiple personal means of killing her. You know, like yeah. if you're just you break like you're, you're in the home and then the wife comes home and you have to get rid of the witness. It just doesn't seem like that would be the, the means of killing her. You would either stab her or you would strangle her but both just seems like you're getting off on it you know
1: yes exactly this seems like the work of a serial killer or a very passionate killing someone trying to prove a point mm-hmm. someone who's close to the victim
0: yep so uh the detective and the technician emerged from the house at around 4 p.m they studied footprints in the snow leading to the back of the house and discovered a small rectangular cut in the screen wear window about six feet off the ground yeah investigators would later determine that that hole had been cut from the inside and there's the weird part, so, right? <laughs> it's, it's yeah. wait
1: a second okay so this is, is
0: point someone of trying entry? to make this oh. look like they broke in when they really <laughs> were able to gain access without breaking and entering mm-hmm. that is so sus yeah yeah when i heard, learned it was cut from the inside it's like okay well there goes the point of entry this is strange mm-hmm. um detective bentley surmised that quote it had to be someone strong to do what they did and later in, in his rep- police report that night he wrote that the crime was probably too violent for it to be a burglary gone wrong Quote, We all feel very violated. Debbie was a wonderful woman, a neighbor said. I really would like to see the jerk that did this go down hard because I can't fathom those little girls without uh, what those little girls will do without their mother. Right. She was their rock. Dad was out of town on business quite a lot, and mommy was the one who held the family together. Mm. These are all quotes from neighbors, right? Right. Who witnessed, you know, you know what a good mom she was, and right and like, friendly. And like we said,
1: Donald was a manager at Taco Bell, so I'm sure he had to go for. You know, meetings and whatnot, conferences. District conferences and things
0: like that. Exactly. Um, Detective Bentley and his team of officers quickly focused their investigation on Donald Mendel, who was then 33 and a manager at the Taco Bell at the local mall who we talked about. He had a friend who worked at a Sicilian Delight, a pizza shop in the food court near the Taco Bell. Um, and unhappy in his marriage, Donald had allegedly confided in his friend, discussing the idea of hiring someone to kill his wife, according to police. Uh-oh, that don't look good. So now some sus stuff starts coming out about Donald, the husband. Yep. Quote, it should be made to look like a robbery, a friend recalled, according to a police report. So this is all sounding exactly like what he was talking to, you know, his friend at the mall about. Right. How do you joke about this? <laughs> right. <laughs> like. Exactly. That's not a joking man. Made to look like, like really a robbery. I'm willing to joke about most stuff, but. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Donald insisted that he was joking and denied any plot to kill his wife. The Mendels, uh, as we briefly mentioned earlier, had an open marriage, and Donald was seeing a 17-year-old girl who worked with him at Taco Bell, a woman, a girl that was, uh, you know, below him in the chain, which also has issues. You know, he's her superior. Yeah, quite a few, work, quite a few workplace. quite a few conflicts of interest there. And almost exactly twice her age, as well. Oh wow! Yeah. Yeah. It, and she's a minor. Depending on what state you're in, I guess as far as consent goes and things like that, if they're actually having sex, um, he allegedly kept photos of her scantily clad in his wallet. Basically, oh. de- once again, depending on where you live, that's like bas- basically child porn if she's underage, according to that state's laws. Yeah, I'm pretty sure New York would probably be pretty strict on that type of thing. Yeah, but we're we're talking 90s. I don't know, like what? Yeah, the- that's true. Early 90s. Okay, Minor consent laws were in the 90s in New York, but uh, I'm sure someone will let us know. But either way, it's, we can all agree it's fucking creepy. And like, no doubt. It's creepy either way, whether illegal or not. Yeah. yeah. Um, and in the initial report written during the initial investigation, Detective Bentley noted handcuffs and other items found in the home that were used for, quote, sexual bondage. Uh, okay. And Donald Donald Mendel also had a fifty thousand dollars life insurance policy on his wife. There's a lot of things that are pointing in the direction of the husband. But that could have came through his work. Fifty thousand. That's not like that's not like kill
1: somebody money. I feel like if you're gonna kill somebody for the insurance money, you're gonna take out what like half a mil,
0: a mil, fifty thousand. Yeah, that probably I mean, we came have to through his consider with... We have to consider inflation. Thirty years ago, fifty k went a long way. But I guess. But to kill. Killing your wife, though. and they were they were not uh you know a wealthy couple. I mean he he's working at Taco Bell, he's a manager, but and she was going through uh, nursing school, so they weren't they weren't bringing in a lot of money. Fifty k is a lot, but yeah, that's not necessarily like a damning thing. A lot of uh, couples have like a basic life insurance policy. If, now, if he had just taken it out a week before she was murdered, then I'd be like, okay, we see that all the time. You know, as soon as the policy gets put in place, it's like oh, all of a sudden, yeah. Exactly. My wife's dead. Yeah, that's that's
1: sus. But I'm I'm guessing Mm -hmm. that this was probably through his work.
0: That's what I'm thinking. Yeah, it's very possible. But it's still something worth I mean I have a large life insurance policy on me through my work that my wife has nothing to do with. Yeah. There you go. And see most of the time
1: they'll let you throw your spouse on there, you know, for about the same Mm -hmm. price. So yeah, I could see that. Especially at his level
0: of management. Yeah. So um Donald maintained his innocence and had an alibi, which was legit. On the day of the killing, he was at the Taco Bell getting fired, after being sexu- accused of sexually harassing his, his staff. So, wow, he was definitely at the mall um, during the time that his wife was murdered. That doesn't mean that he couldn't have played a role in her murder and hired someone to do it. Right, which was kind of what he had been talking to his coworkers about doing. He wasn't so much talking about killing her himself, but having her killed. So exactly, exactly. Yeah,
1: yeah. he's he's preoccupied with people at work apparently. Yeah. i wonder about this sexual harass harassment charge like you know was it this 17 year old that finally got tired of his shit and came forward or was he yeah you know or was there someone else yeah, another was he, young girl was he coming on to other young girls that worked there as well i'm sure he had a revolving mm-hmm. door of young people like most fast food places are i mean you know the turnaround right. rate is ridiculous so yeah. yeah the amount of people that come through those doors who knows yeah
0: yeah, so the the police are uh, zeroing in, in on uh, Donald at that time, but then days after the murder, they get a new lead a confident a confidential informant, a woman named Nancy Hummingbird, who was a friend of James Pugh, uh, who was you know like a small time criminal. They get, get used to that name as well. James Pugh. James Pugh. Yep. Um, James Pugh also had a passing acquaintance with a man named Brian Lorenz. Mm-hmm. So Brian Lorenz and James Pugh were they were crooks. They were thieves. Um, and this, this Nancy Hummingbird comes forward and says that Brian Lorenz, who had since left the Buffalo area was the killer of Deborah Mendel. Um, she said that hours after Deborah Mendel was killed in her city on uh, city of Tonawanda in her home, James Pugh was very nervous. And his friend, Brian Lorenz boasted of killing, the, uh, killing as the ultimate rush. Right. So now you have these two new suspects that emerge this informant that comes forward and saying that, you know, they were bragging basically that. Uh, Brian Lorenz was bragging about killing Deborah Mendel. Well, he was bragging
1: about killing being the ultimate rush. I don't think there was anything that really tied these two men
0: to Deborah Mendel other than the timing. Am I wrong? Well, no, because Lorenz said he he said that uh, he actually went into detail and said that that uh, Deborah Mendel wouldn't go down quote as he strangled and stabbed her repeatedly with a kitchen knife. She later testified. So you know Nancy Hummingbird is saying directly that he said that. She also said that. Um she saw him wa- wearing a 357 caliber handgun in a leather holster and was quite hyped up and excited when he came back to her flat wearing a blood-stained sweatshirt. Ah, okay. Quite the testimony here. Yeah. But no, but, but there were no gunshots in the apartment, right? No, yeah. Okay. There was a knife used and a tie used to strangle her, but right. yeah, no gun. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> So the police would search for Brian Lorenz and find him in Sioux City, Iowa, where he was jailed for stealing a car. He was actually in jail in Iowa, and quote: "This is the headlines that emerged at that point." Quote: "A five-month investigation into February slaying of a mother of two in her city of Tonawanda home ended Tuesday with the indictment of two Buffalo men, Brian Lorenzo uh, or Lorenz, uh, who was 23, and James Pew, who was 31, were charged with the murder, burglary, and menacing charges in the slaying of Deborah Mendel." So they go ahead and arrest these two and indict them for murder on one testimony. The murder of Deborah Mendel on yeah on basically Nancy Hummingbird's testimony. Holy
1: shit! Okay. Yeah, man, it's like
0: some West Memphis Three shit right here. We're we're just moving right ahead with some witnesses. Okay. Yeah. So they they well they had sat, sat down with Brian Lorenz uh, while he was in Iowa mm-hmm. uh, where where he confesses to strangling Miss Mendel. Okay. Um, he says he strangled her in her home after discuss- after she discovered them burglarizing it when she returned early from class. And in this confession, he also implicated his buddy, James Pugh, his sometime burglary partner, uh, who vehemently denied having anything to do with this murder. So he's denying. Meanwhile, Brian Lorenz is pointing the finger at him saying, yeah, me and me and uh, Pugh, yeah, we did this murder. Mm, that's odd. However, the confession, much like the West Memphis three that you brought up, uh, had some details wrong. Um, and was actually deemed in, inadmissible in trial amid concerns that Brian Lorenz's right to counsel may not have been waived properly. Um, so they couldn't even use the confession from Brian Lorenz. So all they have to go on is this Nancy Hummingbird uh, you know, story yeah. about them claiming to have killed her. Now this, They have no physical evidence, uh, no signs of forced... They have nothing on them physically at the scene right. tying them to this murder. All they have is this Nancy Hummingbird thing. Right, well, and Lorenz's alleged confession. I, I yeah mean, but they couldn't use that in court though so the, tra- the the jury couldn't even hear that right right
1: now how was this do you know how this confession was was given was taken like he was already in custody right so you don't know really. he was in
0: iowa when they came to see him right and later we find out his his story later on and his attorney's story yeah. is that that one of the dumbest things i've ever heard but I, you know in a way it's believable if you're a dumb criminal but he wanted to be back in new york he was in jail in iowa and so he supposedly confessed to the murder so that he would be extradited to New York where I'm assuming he thought that they wouldn't have enough evidence to convict him for the murder so he would get a free trip back to New York. Oh and then you know nothing would come of the murder charge because they didn't have any physical evidence and then he would just deny it when he got there but okay
1: that's not crazy. That's not crazy I especially know, right? for a lifetime criminal who you know is expecting to possibly live his whole life in prison. So he's like, well, at least I'll be. It reminds you
0: a bit of Damien Echols taunting the police early on thinking there's no way they could convict me. They don't have any evidence. Right. Yeah. Like this Psych, is crazy. I'll, know, I'll just... Joke's on you. Yeah, exactly. You get convicted. Exactly. I'll get a little fresh air. I'll get to be in court, meet
1: with some, talk to some people, you know, get a little interaction yeah. with the real world. And then to mess with these
0: stiffs a little bit. Right. And then I won't get convicted and then I'll go back. Yeah. Yeah. Next thing you know, you're on death row. <laughs> 18 years. Yeah. Right. Oh my God. So yeah, they, they go to trial, um, for the murder of Deborah Mendel with, with these two, Mm uh, Lorenz and Pugh. And the prosecutor says, quote, this is not a case ladies and gentlemen involving a lot of forensic evidence. We don't have it. We do not have any fingerprints to put them there. We do not have his blood or something to put him there. We don't have his wallet at the scene. We don't have any, uh, we don't even have a witness to come in and tell you I saw him there. (laughs) <laughs> this is the prosecutor's yeah, this is, case this is a terrible start
1: we need to work on your opening arguments sir uh <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah this is not so good. the case would hinge the case would hinge on a series of witnesses who testified that they heard the men talking about the crime and the jury took less than six hours to return a guilty verdict that is both insane. men were sent to prison yep that's
1: sick less than six hours like yep. how do you do that with a clean conscience at being on that jury
0: lauren how do you sit- I know how can you say with beyond a reasonable doubt, for sure, like without a speck of evidence putting them at the crime scene. Right. And I'm like, there's blood all over the
1: place. And as we later find out, there was DNA taken from the crime scene. Yeah. Okay? And like these dudes didn't match it. Mm-hmm. Yep. <sighs> yep. I just don't see I I don't know. You can't
0: you can't give them murder for this. It's crazy. It really. I is. mean, unless there's some stuff we don't know, but I, I, I've read a lot of stuff about this case and haven't seen what you could really convict him on evidence-wise, aside from the, the Nancy Hummingbird story. But we would come to find out later that she was quite a storyteller. Yes, exactly, exactly. So, so yeah, this could be. This could be. This gets really interesting, guys. It gets more confusing. Hang in there. Yeah. <laughs> So before being sent to prison, James Pugh made one last plea of innocence to the judge. Quote, what do I have to say from the beginning to prove that I could not have done this crime? I am not the murderer. I am not. I was never there. Uh, but questions st- about whether the two were guilty uh, continued, especially after the testimony of several witnesses at the trial that were later called into question. Um, we'll talk about that more mm-hmm. in a bit. Um, cut to 2015, 20, 20, 22 years after Deborah's murder. This case is going to get more convoluted and crazy, but we have a crazy tale of a, an amazing prison break, right. a serial killer, and all of that. Um, so we're going to cut to 2015 and go into that in a minute, but first let's get a, a quick ad break. All right, let's do it. What's up, Creepers? Let me tell you about our latest sponsor, Bombas. Bombas' mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy your Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Bombas design their socks, shirts, and underwear to be the clothes you can't wait to put on every day. Everything they make is soft, seamless, tagless, and has a luxury, cozy feel. They're made from super soft materials like merino wool, pima cotton, and even cashmere, which makes them the perfect cozy winter layers. There's a pair of Bombas socks for everything you do. They come in tons of options like comfy performance styles for every sport and activity that keeps you moving. Bombas t-shirts are made with thoughtful design features like invisible seams, soft fabrics, and the perfect weight so they hang just right, while their underwear have a barely there feel with second skin support that might make you forget they're even there in a good way. And did you know that socks, underwear, and t-shirts are the three most requested clothing items at homeless shelters? That's why Bombas donates one for every item you buy. So far, Bombas customers like you have helped donate over 50 million items of essential clothing. I'm actually wearing Bombas socks as we speak, as I record this. My wife and I are in love with them. Uh, they, they fit just just snug on your feet. They're the perfect thickness. They're soft. They're durable. You can't beat it, and then you get to feel good about the fact that you know you just also helped to clothe someone in need. There's not many companies out there that are willing to give away half of their product to people in need and not make a profit from it. That is really a noble and incredible thing to do. So get you some Bombas and help those in need as well. Go to bombas.com slash creeper and get 20% off any purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash creeper for 20% off, bombas.com slash creeper. All right, so we had James Pugh and Brian Lorenz get convicted of murder for the killing of Deborah Mendel. But as we've talked about, questions still remained. There was a lot of people that um, were not satisfied that they they believed that it's possible that the husband, Donald, was still involved somehow. And there would be a lot more fingers pointed at people that could have done this. And that's what leads us to 2015, 22 years after Deborah's murder. Um, we get some other people implicated in this crime, potentially, one of them being a serial killer that's pretty well known, a guy named Richard Matt, right? Um, who with another inmate, David Sweat, were planning what would become one of the most famous jailbreaks in history, escaping from a fortress with 30 foot high walls and spawning a massive manhunt. So let's go into this escape real quick from prison that Richard Matt and David Sweat pulled off. To, they, they escaped from the Clinton Correctional Facility in Danamora, New York um first the inmates this is very uh shawshank redemption almost like it's right. this is a pretty insane and when you see the pictures too man it's oh, crazy like no. this steam pipe they cut through is like half inches like a half inch of steel i'm like right you need a damn plasma cutter to cut that and, and they dude, cut it so clean i don't know how they did it and it was only well because they were getting tools they were getting tools from yeah. that correctional officer um yeah
1: or the uh not the not the warden but she was like right below the warden but anyways also those pipes that they crawled through they were only 24 inches in diameter dude that's like just wider than your shoulders bro i
0: couldn't do that i couldn't Uh, do that bro reminds you of ted bundy when he went through that tiny little uh square that was holding the light in his cell and he had to like lose like 20 pounds to get through it oh my hey
1: i mean desperate times come desperate measures if you especially if you think you're going to die in there anyways but Right. You got women to kill in Florida. You got to get through that hole, man. But what's crazy is... uh, Yeah, exactly. What's crazy (laughs) is that this, damn... This happened in 2015. This ain't in 1920. You know what I'm saying? Like, 2015, guys, Shawshank Redemption out of prison and climbed
0: through pipes to freedom. Yep. What? Yeah, so... yeah, so let's talk about how they did it. First, the inmates cut neat, rec- rec- neat rectangular holes in the steel at the backs of their cells. They fashioned dummies from sweatshirts and stuffed their beds with to thwart Classic. discovery during, <laughs> yeah, during their regular cell checks by guards. The inmates, both serving long sentences for murder, had adjoining cells, cells 23 and 24 in cell block A, which sits four stories above the ground. The holes cut into the wall of their cells can be seen from the catwalk. The men climbed five stories down between the wall and the catwalk to one level... One level underground, yeah. the catwalk had not been regularly patrolled by guards for years. Why would um, they? I right. mean, they didn't think the prisoners would freaking tunnel through concrete walls to get into it. Right. Yeah, and they did their studying. I mean, they knew the patterns of the guards and all of that. Oh yeah. Um, well, they had they had they, help. We'll talk about it. Yeah. So once uh, down a one level underground, they cut a hole into a twenty-four-inch steam pipe, which was half-inch thick steel. Mm. Um with the heat turned off the pipe was cool enough for the men to crawl through imagine if the heat went on while you're in there and you just cooked well it was in june so the chances of them cutting the heat on was slim to none that's a good point that's a but, very good point
1: but you know yeah I, I doubt they would test this in uh you know in december or <laughs> november yeah <laughs> not a good idea you would cook yeah. oh my god that'd be a horrible way to die wouldn't it
0: just in a steam yep. pipe just overheating dehydrating yep. god yeah it'd be horrible um, so yeah, uh, the, the pipe was cool enough. They crawled through this 24 inch pipe, um, and they, uh, and they made their escape in early June. And they even left a taunting note, including a racist caricature. Um, it's, it's like a, uh, a stereo, like a, one of those terrible stereotypical, um, Asian like, thing. Yeah. It looks like one of those, a, like, Asian hate type things. It's like a
1: smiley yeah. face with angled, slanted eyes, buck teeth, and then it has like a, um,
0: Like a rice farmer's hat. Rice patty hat? Yeah. It's one of those. And And it says, says, have have a nice day on it, (laughs) on the note. And it looks like they stuck it to the steam pipe. Yeah, yeah, they sure did. They Probably the inside of the steam pipe where they cut it in. You guys can check the sources, check the links under the description. Yeah, to see the pictures. Yeah. I definitely recommend seeing the pictures in this jailbreak. It's pretty incredible how they cut that steam pipe so cleanly through half-inch thick thick steel. It's incredible. It literally looks like they used a plasma cutter. No joke. Yeah. They probably had a grinder. Yeah. So they crawled through the steam pipe to a manhole about 400 feet beyond the prison walls, cutting through a steel lock and chain to open it. The men were carrying clothes and tools in a soft guitar case, according to investigators. The two had worked in the prison's tailor shop. The prison has the state's largest wall standing at 30 feet. But, you know, if you just go under them through a steam pipe, you don't got to worry about them 30-foot walls. Yeah, who cares how tall it is? Yeah. Uh, two of the watchtowers, post one and two, which sit along Cook Street, were unguarded from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Then, um, and the overnight hours during which they escaped. So once again, they knew the patterns. They knew which direction to head in to remain unseen until it was too late. Yep. And they would they would spend um, a few weeks on the run. And on June 26, 2015, after 20 days on the run, and a day after his 49th birthday. Uh, Richard Matt fired at a camping trailer driving on the road in an unsuccessful attempt to kill the driver and steal the vehicle. The driver alerted police and many U.S. uh, Border Patrol officers were sent to investigate the heavily wooded area. After hearing coughing, they encountered uh, Richard Matt carrying a 20-gauge shotgun. When he refused to drop the weapon, he was shot and killed by uh, Supervisory Agent Chris Voss in Franklin County, New York, near the town of Malone, receiving three gunshot wounds to the head. Yeah, so they weren't triple playing tap around. to the head, and Richard Matt's life was over. Um, serial killer, um, guy he'd killed he he'd, I know he'd shot his boss at one point. He was like working for some sort of a crime organization. Yeah, that's shot the one he got then, convicted for, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah,
1: he'd shot another person as well. Um, okay, so he was he was for sure a convicted
0: serial killer, not just suspected of other crimes. Right? No, he'd for sure killed two people, and now he gets tied in with Deborah Mendel's murder.
1: Well, I mean, like uh, we said
0: at the beginning, this this type
1: of murder does fit with a serial killer, right? You know that
0: does push a little bit of evidence his way. Yep. Yeah, and uh, David Sweat, the other man uh, that escaped from prison, was caught two days later. He began to run, and an officer shot him twice—one in the right shoulder and one in his left arm. Um, he survives, however. But let's back up to the—you know—before the escape. That conversation that these two men had in the prison yard about their escape, um, their conversation had turned uh, quickly to how to get money once they got out, once right. they escaped from prison. Um, and um, Sweat would later recall that Richard Matt had an idea for how they would get money once they got out. He knew of a judge in the Niagara Falls area, some 350 miles from Danamora, who kept gold bars in his safe. Now, how does this serial killer and career criminal mm-hmm. know uh, a judge and have has been in his house and seen his safe with his how gold indeed. bars? Yeah. A mm, um, little bit of collaboration going on. Yep. He had some ties to law enforcement. When Richard Matt was, quote, robbing and collecting extortion money from drug dealers years earlier, a cop had supposedly taken him, in, him into the judge's house twice to drop off money. And Mr. Sweat remem- remembered how his old friend was bragging to him, Um, and he said that, um, Richard Matt told him that him and a man named David Bentley. Oh no. You might remember Michael telling you to remember earlier, who was the lead investigator in Deborah Mendel's murder. Yep. Um, Richard Matt and David Bentley, the detective were close friends for a long time. Um, practically father and son. Um, wow. But in, but in sweats telling of the story, they had a problem. A woman had found out about what they were doing and was threatening to expose them. Now they were you know, taking this, uh, these goods, extorting these goods, Uh um, selling them to a judge and all this corruption was going on and and somehow Deborah Mendel found out and was threatening to turn them in. Um, so according to Richard Matt's story, uh, they took action, uh, quote, the cops had, the cops said she had to go sweat wrote because she was going to rat them out. Mm. So how would you got two men sitting in prison? I mean, I know. Yeah, she, I don't know what her ties to right. How I, would she be tied to? Uh, that's the only thing I can't. This Richard Matt character. Yeah, I can't figure out how she would know about this. This little operation they have going on. It just came to me. It just came to me. You know how she would know? There's a there's a lot of allegations that Deborah Mendel and Detective Bentley <gasps> were in a relationship. That's right. So if she's in a relationship with Officer Bentley and she oh finds out God. that he's a corrupt cop who's you know, working with a, a you know a serial killer and criminal and yep. selling stolen goods to a judge.
1: He and, probably you know, confided in her, and then was later treating her like shit or whatever. And then she was like, "Well, I'm gonna expose you." Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Oh no. Yep. Mr. the ac- ac- accusation is that Detective Bentley, the lead detective on on uh, Deborah Mendel's murder, and Richard Matt were the ones responsible for Deborah Mendel's murder. Um. Mm. And with this new information that, that emerges following, you know, this prison break and um, this man being taken in and he has this, this crazy story. Meanwhile, Richard Madd is no longer around to for the police to question about Deborah Mendel's murder. Unfortunately, right. he was killed. Um, and so a team of New York City defense attorneys uh, has accused the state of getting it wrong years ago when they, par- when they convicted a pair of petty thieves, Lorenz and Pugh. Um, and gave them life sentences for Deborah Mendel's murder. And as of today, James Pugh is a free man, having served his full sentence and, and being released several years ago. Right. Brian Lorenz, however, is, still sits behind bars. And there's just so many questions. You know, there's so much that makes the husband, Donald, look, you know, like he could have been involved in this. And then you have Richard Matt, the, the serial killer that escaped from prison, that, you know, his partner in crime was saying that he. Along with the lead detective Bentley in this, were yes. you know, partners in, in killing Deborah also, Mendel to keep her quiet. Also, you don't think David Bentley
1: knew of uh, the escape and Richard Matt's escape? And you know there had to been that judge could have called he could have called that judge or whatever and been like, "Hey, Matt's on the run." They'd be like, "Well, if you find him, kill him." Right. Right. You. You. It's just so funny that these super, you know, these expert marksmen team that was sent out there and a good enough shot to shoot him three times times in in the the head head. three times (laughs) as if two wasn't enough three times in the head okay yeah that that was a confirmation kill right there and then and then uh that's like a mob style hit man three times in the head exactly and then the other guy sweat he gets shot in the shoulder and they take him in alive sweat really had nothing to do with this i'm convinced right i think him and uh richard matt just became friends in prison and yeah That's it. They had adjoining cells. Uh, That was Mm -hmm. really all there was to it. And they planned an escape together. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's all Sweat has to do with this. But had Detective
0: Bentley known that David Sweat knew what they had done, that uh, Richard Matt had confided in him about that murder, they probably would have triple tapped him in the head too.
1: Oh, no doubt. No doubt. If they would have found him on site with Richard Matt, he'd be dead. The fact that they split up saved Sweat's life.
0: Yeah. I really, I really, believe that. we think in our opinions, yeah. I mean, there's still so much unknown in this, but, um, so this thing is still go- ongoing. As we said, in December of 2021, lawyers were in Buffalo in court to challenge the convictions of Lorenz and Pugh. Now, Pugh, as we mentioned, is already out. He's already served. He had, a, I, he, I think if he had a 25 year sentence, he would have already been out for three, three, four years now. Right. Served his full sentence, but nonetheless, he wants his name cleared from this murder that he, in his, you know, opinion, in opinion and in his, his stories, he had nothing to do with this. Right. Um, and one of the uh, lawyers that was on site in Buffalo to challenge these convictions was the former assistant, uh, assistant district attorney, David Harati, uh, Her- who actually played a role in getting these men convicted. He is now saying there is reasonable doubt about whether the pair committed the crime. So the man that helped to get them put behind bars is now questioning it and mm-hmm. pretty crazy. You don't see that happen very often. No, you don't. A lawyer flip. No, you do not. Um, so the original case is unspooled with each pull of a string, inconsistent witnesses, new DNA test. If, oh, yeah. So there's since been, uh, in, the, in the last couple of years, there's been DNA that had been uh, stored from the crime scene. They had male DNA um, uh, that had never been tested against the two men that were in prison somehow. Right. They finally tested it, and it doesn't match either. Uh, it doesn't match either Pew or Lorenz. So... Uh-oh. Yeah. Um, that being said, they also tested it uh against Richard Matt and it doesn't match him either, the serial killer that supposedly played a role in Deborah Mendel. Oh, we're narrowing it down.
1: That doesn't mean they, they have this
0: there. male DNA and it doesn't match any of them. Now have Does they it match my Bentley? question? Have they tested I was gonna say, have they Test tested it against Bentley?
1: Test Bentley. God damn it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh man.
0: Yeah. Um, so the detective who led the original case complicates matters further. Detective Bentley, whose defense lawyers suggest he may have had a romantic relationship with Miss Mendel, long time, uh, long retired from the Tonawanda Police Department. He denied he knew Miss Mendel or had anything to do with her killing. "Quote: It's totally, absolutely, unequivocally ex- insane," Mr. Bentley says. Wow, that's too, that's so many adjectives. Now I don't believe.
1: It. <laughs> right. Right. Totally, yeah. absolutely, inequivocally. No, now
0: now, I feel like you're just making shit up. That's just so much. Why do you have yeah. to confirm your innocence so much? He does not deny knowing Dave, uh, Richard Matt, though, the serial killer that escaped and was killed. Mm-hmm. Um, Richard Matt's involvement and questions about his relationship with David Bentley were among the conclusions of an exhaustive investigation conducted by a pair of prosecutors. Um John F Flynn the county district attorney however has rejected their findings which have not been fully released. He's also demoted one of the prosecutors and reassigned the other. So c- the current district attorney uh in the in this uh, in this county it, John Flynn is just he doesn't want anything he's not having it with these new allegations. He just wants this case to go away. The two men were convicted, one of them's already served his time and mm-hmm. He he's not really into continuing this thing, unfortunately. Of course, because if this is uncovered that Bentley had,
1: had a big role in this, then yeah. the investigation doesn't stop there. You have to start looking into this police department and mm-hmm. and everything, who's still involved. Ju- this other judge, judges. This judge, yeah. yeah. I mean, so yeah. it's- It opens it's a, a definitely a can of worms for sure. Yeah, it's not, it's not a
0: bunch of enemies that you want to make, I would imagine, yeah. if you're Mr. Flynn right now. Yeah, so the county district attorney, John Flynn, has denied that there is any credible evidence to link Richard Matt to the murder of Miss Mendel. He is, uh, and he has defended Mr. Bentley as well. Um, and though there was no DNA evidence connecting Mr. Lorenz or Mr. Pugh to the murder, the genetic testing that is at the heart of the men's appeal also did not find Richard Matt's DNA. Investigators have discovered the DNA of another still unknown person, and over the years, um, you know, they've not linked this to anyone. and... Also, since finding her mother when she was 10 years old, um, Jessica Mendel um, has had a rough life. Uh, she struggled with uh, substance abuse. Um, right. In 2005, she unexpectedly showed up at Wendy Correctional uh, Facility in Aden, New York, Alden, New York, to visit Mr. Pugh. So, one of the two men that was convicted of killing her mother, she went to visit him in prison. Um, mm-hmm and uh, she visited him on two occasions and she actually told him she was increasingly convinced that the state had mishandled the investigation of her mother's murder. Quote, she told me in her own words that she didn't believe that I was involved said Pew who was now paroled and living in the Buffalo area with his sister he took notes of what Jessica told him at the time, and they contained multiple jarring allegations that her mother was having an affair with Detective Bentley, mm. that she that he knew she would be home on early on the day of the murder, Uh-oh. and most shocking that Jessica thought that the detective was involved in her mother's death. So the go. victim's mother, or I mean, the victim's daughter is is coming forward after all this time and saying that, you know, she's, she now believes that Detective Bentley was involved. Dude, he's the only missing link, right? If none of the other guy's DNA was there and they found
1: DNA... Yeah. And a messy scene like that, there was blood everywhere, blood all over the kitchen, blood on the dog toys, like blood on the dishes. And none of these guys that they tested were there. It's like there's only. What a thing to think
0: about, though, isn't it? To think that the day of the murder, if Bentley was involved directly or indirectly at all, he's there videotaping this crime scene that he may or may not, you know, allegedly have. It's perfect. He may saying. have created this this crime scene, killed this woman. Now he's there videotaping it. It's it's crazy to think exactly. about that's like a he, movie scene, you know?
1: Yeah, he has his fingers in every aspect of the investigation. Yeah. He he could have literally controlled everything. And this guy was a veteran officer. He could have controlled yeah. everything from the very beginning of this murder. Yeah. He could have yeah. planted the other DNA evidence, Lauren. The right. other the other evidence may may still be tied to someone who it's not even connected to the crime. It could have been evidence that he had from, I mean, it's all alleged. I'm just saying, yeah, of course, it's just course. odd that
0: we're saying things no like could, he could have done
1: this, you know, it's possible. Yeah. I just don't see how his DNA was never tested or, you know, don't they have that on file as a police officer? Don't they, don't they have your DNA fingerprints? And you would shit think on that fire? they would at least have the right to take it if they, you know, had reasonable doubt. Yeah. That should be part of
0: becoming a police officer. You should have to surrender that stuff. Yep. Mm. So um, Deborah's husband, Donald Mendel, said that his daughter had asked him about 100 times whether he was involved. So Jessica, suspicious of her father, also of Detective Bentley. He told investigators this year that he had heard from several people that his wife and Mr. Bentley had an affair and maintained his innocence. So Donald Mendel still maintaining his innocence in this pointing the finger also at detective Bentley yeah. for his part, former detective Bentley rejects the entire account, including any suggestion of a romantic relationship with miss Mendel quote. Are you asking me if I had anything to do with Debbie Mendel in a personal way? Well, that's kind of weird that he's calling her Debbie. First of all, that's like a pet name or like, you know, like her name's Deborah. Yeah. That's exactly. more of like a personal thing to call her. That to, almost to me is like a Freudian slip. Like, Ooh. are you asking me if I had anything to do with Debbie? right like, bro. Old her Deb. name on record is Deborah. like why would you call her Debbie that's kind of weird I'm just noticing that oh Deb Deb um, oh, but I didn't even yeah. know her I didn't even know Debs yeah. man I don't know what you're talking about <laughs> quote are you asking me if I had anything to do with Debbie Mendel in a personal way Mr. Bentley said in a text to the New York Times quote if so not a chance no never in my worst day I agree. also like Again. what a weird thing to say as well. Never. Like, what are you saying? Like never in my worst day would I be involved with that woman? Like, right. It sounds so personal. Like all the it things does. he's
1: saying. And it sounds like a lie because you just keep not a chance. No, never in my yep. worst day. You literally said no three times in that short right. sentence.
0: Like that's just so sus, man. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately Jessica Mendel, um, Deborah's, uh, daughter, that found her died in April 2020 at 37 years old, far too young. It's oh unreported gosh. what you know what the cause of death was, but nonetheless tragic. Um, that that definitely that event seemed to set her her life in a in a in a you know down a dark path. Yeah, um, I'm sure she was deeply affected by it forever and probably led to the substance abuse that traumatized. She, she was the uh, one that found her with. mom. You know, if you remember correctly, yeah, she's the first and that's one. not just finding your mom dead. That's like you found your mom horrifically murdered you know right and people close to you may or may not have been involved you know like she's questioned her whole life whether her dad had something to do with it like that is just a really fucking tough thing to deal with yeah right every she was convinced that the men that got convicted for it were innocent like that's just got to make the whole thing that much worse it's not like you got a clean conviction of this guy did it and he's been in bars forever this is like she doesn't know i'm sure she had serious trust issues like who i don't know who even killed my mom like it could be someone really close to me right Right. Imagine man, how h-
1: helpless up. you feel as well. Mm-hmm. You know, you feel like there's this there's this big, looming, dark secret
0: that you just can't find. It very well could have been two of the people that are supposed to protect her most, her father or the, t- the lead detective, yeah. you know, that was trying to solve her mother's murder. You know, like, right. so, man, how do you trust anybody? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, James Pugh, meanwhile, said he had never met Jessica before her visits in 2005 and he was nervous because, quote, there was so much I wanted to say to her. I just wanted to be able to have forever to convince that her that I, they got it wrong, um, to let her know that I'm not the person who did that to her mother. Mm. <clears throat> um, he said that when she stood to leave the prison after visiting him, he offered his hand and she looked at it and hugged him instead. So we mentioned the DNA being finally tested that was in 2018 a state judge finally ordered Erie County to test blood-spattered items from the crime scene including the steak knife and the victim's clothing Brian Lorenz was elated when the results came back that year showing that neither man's DNA had been found quote I thought I was going home immediately no sir nope instead Mr Flynn the district attorney appointed two prosecutors to review the case Michael J Hillary who ran the appeals bureau and David A Hiradi an assistant district attorney in the same division. They interviewed more than 50 witnesses and poked holes in the testimonies that, that had led to the convictions. Some jewelry and cash had been stolen from the house, according to the prosecution, but the only physical evidence linking Mr. Lorenz was a rare coin in his possession. And this is where you start to see the case that was against them falling apart many years later where people are like, you know, I'm not so sure that yeah. coin that linked him to the crime actually was like our coin. Right. It could have just been some coin that Mr. Lorenz stole from somewhere else. Yeah, exactly. During the trial... This is an example. During the trial, Donald Mendel, um, Barbara's husband, told the jury that the coin that was found in Mr. Lorenzo's possession was taken from his home, bolstering the theory that his wife's killing had resulted from a burglary gone bad. Uh But he later said that he actually wasn't sure whether the coin was taken from his house or not.
1: Of course not. He was just trying to get the the heat off of himself. Pressure off of him probably. He's
0: like, oh yeah, 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 that's my coin. Definitely. Mm -hmm. Explain that, sir. Right. And there's many issues of Every coin, if you know, there's very few coins that there's not at least you know, a hundred thousand or several hundred thousand or millions of issues of. So right. I don't know how rare this coin was, but yeah. Um, one man, Carlos Gonzalez, testified at the trial that he had seen Brian Lorenz say that he couldn't have, uh, that he couldn't believe he had killed someone. Mr. G- that was at the time following the murder, and that helped to get a conviction. Mm-hmm. Then Mr. Gonzalez, who was released from jail for cooperating with authorities, said he wasn't sure if he what he said was true. So you're hearing once again another recanted statement that helped well, to get these guys convicted so many years I, ago. But now they're like, eh, I'm not so sure. Right. But it's also a statement that
1: helped free the person who who came up with it. Like Gonzalez, he had something to benefit. Once he testified, yeah. he was released from jail. Like, mm-hmm. so it's like he's going to say whatever the hell he's got to say. This whole yep. thing, just it's which all
0: works in the prosecution's favor. Everything they look for people is altered who are desperate to help them solidify their case. Right, right.
1: Mm. But yep. in the initial case, everything is just everything's fucked with. Everything's
0: altered. Mm-hmm. And the biggest witness for sure, the one that started this whole thing oh, uh, uh, with Pew and Lorenz was Miss Hummingbird, the Frank woman it. who came forward initially three days after the murder and had the story about how Lorenz was bragging about having killed Deborah Wendell. Um, she, they would come to find out, had a drinking problem, according to her son, Gabriel Rodriguez, um, right. and was given Mr., When she was supposedly given alcohol by Detective Bentley during his interviews with her. Oh, by Mr. Um, Bentley, by Mr. David Bentley. Yeah, yep. No way. Good, good his, cop, huh, good clean cop. Yeah, got his fingers in this too. What a shocker. All right, yeah. Um, uh, Gabriel Gonzalez, or Gabriel, Gabriel Rodriguez, uh, described his mother, uh, Mrs. Hummingbird, as uh a fabulist who spun tales from random facts quote my mom was the biggest liar you've ever met in your life he said oh wow so this is the woman who this is the main the main um smoking gun in their case that got pew and lorenz uh convicted was a woman's testimony whose own son says she's the biggest liar you've ever met in your life wow isn't that terrifying that's that someone who's the biggest liar you ever met in your life could put you in jail that's terrifying to me and uh Nancy Hummingbird has uh, since died. She died in 2019, so you can't you can't get a recanted statement on on her testimony, unfortunately, like the others. But right, <clears throat> um, Mr. Rodriguez, uh, the, the the son of Hummingbird, when he was 14, said that he and Mr. Lorenz would uh, went to have a shotgun sawed off at a local shop and visited two women at the mall. He said there was no indication that Mr. Lorenz had committed a murder just hours before, despite his mother's testimony in 1994 that he was quote hyped up. He said, quote, he was perfectly normal on that day. Hmm. So you have, you know, something to the contrary of her story. Yeah, quite on the day of the murder. Um David Bentley had a reputation as a tough cop, and we'd come to find out more about him and and the fact that he was the subject of at least fifteen brutality and harassment complaints Uh over the course of his career. He also had a longstanding relationship, as we mentioned, with Richard Matt whom he had known long before the jailbreak that would make him infamous. They met when Richard Matt was 13, um, when Richard Matt made an obscene gesture at Detective Bentley, who lectured the teenager. Hmm. He said he had a soft spot for Richard Matt because of their similarly hard upbringings. Quote, I was an illegitimate child. My parents were alcoholics and abusive, Detective Bentley said, in a text adding, quote, I could relate to the lower class people who were often criminals due to my street smarts. Okay. He said that he began using Richard Matt as an informant, helping him get jobs and places to live. Quote, I felt bad for him. You could say almost that I, lo- uh, you could almost say I loved the kid. Doesn't this sound it, this to me wow. solidifies Richard Matt's story about him working with this cop, going to a judge's house. It's like Absolutely. Bentley's even admitting that he had him working with him, a criminal, and you're a detective and you had them working as a informant or whatever like that's not far off from them selling stolen goods and shit to judges and oh no no not at all none of this seems like too
1: much of a stretch man it seems like matt ended up he was grooming somebody to do his dirty work that he needed done behind the scenes because he was a cop and couldn't get his hands dirty so he needed somebody with the gall with the junction gumption rather and someone Mm -hmm. who would listen to him someone young
0: enough that he could groom yeah Uh, David Bentley insisted that Richard Matt, who would later become a convicted killer twice over, could not have killed Mrs. Mendel because, quote, he just wasn't a candidate for a crime like that. Hey, you know. Not good enough. Murdered several other people, but yeah, like doing this, nah. Nah, wouldn't have murdered her. Yeah, okay. Um, The man who could help overturn the convictions uh, of Lorenz and Pew agrees. Mr. Flynn, the district attorney, resoundingly rejects any suggestion that Richard Matt was involved and said he would continue to oppose efforts to vacate their convictions. Like we said, he just wants to sweep this thing away and get rid of it. Mm -hmm. They already got convictions. It's over with. Let's not uh, uh, unturn all of this other shit and go down that rabbit hole of corruption within the police department, all of that. Let's not worry about getting Um, it right. We got it done instead. Yep. Yeah, we see this a lot. David David Sweat, who was the um, you know had the adjoining cell with Richard Matt and did that prison break with him, yeah, um, and has since implicated Richard Matt in the murder, says that he was convicted of killing a sheriff's deputy in twenty two thousand two, and he says that uh, after uh, the district attorney Flynn removed the prosecutors, he sent another or he sent other investigators to pressure him to recant what he had said. So now the Ooh. allegedly the uh, district attorney is now sending uh, you know, sending people to threaten this man to, to take back what he said. Um, wow. And yeah, it, it's, it's a, it's a that's a wild one. And it's still going on, right? Yeah, it is. Um, local news articles from Buffalo in November of 2021 wow. say, quote, a judge will consider if the case goes any further. If it does, the next scheduled court date is for December 13th, which as you know, is already passed, but I was not able to find, any information about a court date that occurred on December 13th. So I'd lead me to believe that nothing has happened in the last couple of weeks, but yeah, this is an ongoing thing, but it sounds like the current district attorney, as long as he's in place, he's this is not going to go any further until he he's either uh replaced um uh, or something well, along those lines i feel like he's
1: done with it right because who is yeah. pushing for this case to be solved now the daughter jessica she's dead maybe the younger daughter but she was probably so young she doesn't really remember it and then mm-hmm. the husband he's never had any gumption to follow to have this case solved almost every right. other person is dead uh david bentley is retired he's doing whatever the fuck he's doing i'm yeah, sure and he wants this thing to go away absolutely there's
0: a lot of fingers being pointed at him absolutely and you know the news and then you have david sweat who really has nothing to do with it you know aside from he you know allegedly you know was buddies and broke out of prison with a guy that's may have had some you know may have played a role in the murder but yeah like he's really the only thing pushing this thing forward at this point aside from you know people that are just that just want justice that are surrounding like the the former um the the former prosecutor that's and, right that the convicted Pew and He's really he's really the uh, only person Lorenz.
1: Yeah he's really the only person that could be problems for this
0: case. Yep. Sweat could be a problem for them in the future. Or if a new a new DA um gets elected and then you know he wants to one of the first things to take action. I could see that occurring who he or she, whoever the new district attorney is, whenever that occurs, mm-hmm. you often see them tackle these high profile cases and you could maybe see the investigation picking back up into what really happened. Detective Bentley being looked at again if a new DA gets put in place. But as long as uh, Flynn is in place, I don't know if this is going to go anywhere in that time. Right. And how much longer does Bentley really just, have? He wants it to go away.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. would have to look into it. I mean, he was an older guy, I, I'm guessing, when this happened, or probably like, you know, mid 30s is back in 93. So he's probably, yeah. yeah, he's coming up in late 60s probably now, give or take. So, yeah. yeah. Well, I hope yeah. hope that sweat don't catch up to him, old David Sweat man, because he'll uh, he could bust this thing wide open, right? Couldn't he? But don't let don't let your sweat bust your body open. Wide. <laughs> <laughs> How perfect to have a guy named Sweat in the case. Oh my God, that's right. Lucky for you guys, you don't have to worry about Sweat because you have Oh My Gaia, or at least the ability to have Oh My Gaia, which is an innovative, all natural deodorant, fragrance, and beard oil company specializing in paraben and aluminum free products. Their innovative line of deodorants inhibit the growth of odor-causing bacteria while maintaining effectiveness. At omegaia oh they use only all natural, paraben, and aluminum-free organic ingredients. Guys, there's tons of scents to choose from. Today I'm wearing Barbershop. Wanted to switch it up a little. I also, I like Barbershop. It's a very fresh, it gets me ready for the day. It's like a it does it does remind you of like a fresh cut, you know? But yeah. if that's if you know that, what I've
0: been doing uh, is grapefruit. Actually, I got a sample oh. of grapefruit that I've been using. I'm gonna probably order just a whole jar of it because it's fantastic. Really?
1: Okay. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna have to hit Wendy up. I need a sample of that grapefruit. I gotta try that. Stuff. I Love me some citrus. Some citrus yep. smelling stuff. Uh, but it, guys, there's tons of other scents as well, from vanilla to cherry almond, sandalwood, lavender, lemongrass, Egyptian musk. That's another one of my favorites. Coconut, sickle leather, lumberjack, honeysuckle, fireside, bergamot, amber. Pear, Sweet Pea, Sailor And here at True Crime Guys We have our very own scent called True Crime Pine And because you guys are True Crime Guys listeners You can get 15% off your order At OhMyGaia.com by using the word Creeper C-R-E-E-P-E-R For 15% off At shop underscore OhMyGaia on Instagram Or OhMyGaia.com That's O-H-M-Y-G-A-I-A Dot com Guys, go check it out. There's a link
0: below the description. As always, you won't be disappointed. No, you will not. And you do not disappoint us, those of you that have taken the time to go and rate review the show this past week. We appreciate you and you get a shout out. Thank you, Cameron in the U.S. says, love, love, love this podcast. You guys are awesome. Just signed up on Patreon for the Friday banter episodes and the Creep Band sticker. Thank yes. you, Cameron. And then we got True Crime Ava in the United States says, another NC girl. Guess what? You got another North Carolina listener. You guys are so entertaining and lovely. Keep it up. Thank you, True Crime Ava. Keep an eye out for Michael in the streets. (laughs) That's Um, right. (laughs) (laughs) Then we got Farm Haint in the U.S. says, the banter. These guys aren't the best on research. (laughs) 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 Nothing like a compliment with a backhanded uh, assault in there at the beginning. Right right at the beginning. Uh, they salt their talk with plenty of f words, and my mother is often overhearing it. But man, these two get through my uh, get me through uh, many hours of hard work as I listen while I do my farm chores. They are sympathetic to the victims, make fun of the loser criminals, and have a great rapport with each other. Five stars for banter, thank you. We'll take it. <laughs> Shit, half the time we get people saying I don't like the banter, um, and then you know. So it's, it's, you just gotta be yourself and don't worry too much. You, you know, there's plenty of people that you know wear their flavor. There's some that aren't. That's right. And that's that's right. fine. You just keep doing you, and the people that like you will find you. That is correct. Um, the vast majority of the uh, feedback we get is positive, and we appreciate all of you absolutely for that. The comments you leave, we see them. Um, if you have a, if you're listening on Spotify, I think we mentioned it last week, but if you could, they have a review or a rating option now rating that you can click uh, right there on when you when you click on our podcast, you'll see it. Right now, we're right around 50 already, even though they just added this feature. So yeah, if you could click five stars on that, that helps us. Um, get into different categories and like, you know, the popular show list on Spotify. I'm thinking so absolutely cool. Thanks. Yeah. And also hit that follow button as well on Spotify or subscribe
1: on whatever podcast app you're on. And if there is ability to leave a rating or review guys, please do.
0: We appreciate that very much. Even better than that. Subscribe on Patreon, patreon.com slash true crime guys two bucks a month get you access to our once a month premium episode that's only on patreon it's coming up it's coming around soon again i think it's the week after next mm-hmm. uh, we'll be back on patreon with a, an exclusive episode the last one we did was the jinx robert durst oh, it was over gosh. two hours long um, that's the kind of content we, we put on patreon like the the big hitter episodes there's many of the biggest name serial killers on there you get access to all that for two bucks and then if you want another show that we do me, me and michael shooting the shit on Fridays. Every week we answer listener questions for uh, upwards of an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, just the banter. That's on the five dollar tier, and you also get a gold creep band sticker at that five dollar tier. And if you want to pay upfront for a Patreon, it's twenty one dollars for twelve months for the two dollar tier, or yep. fifty four for a full year. And then you don't have to worry about uh, you know a monthly bill. I know everybody's using that app. Um, what, is, what is it called? Uh, true, true, oh, whatever. Oh, True Bill. I think a True Bill. True or Bill. Or yeah, like and they're that. finding out all these things they're paying for every month. Don't it, you don't even have to do that. You know, yeah, just, don't worry about that. <laughs> 21 bucks and you're done.
1: <laughs> yeah. And like I said, if you want just the banter, $54. So you get, you know, you get a 10% discount for paying the yearly subscription. You know, you got your, you got your tax return coming up here in the next month or so. Uh, hey, 54 bucks. You won't even miss that. And you'll get just the banter. Right. You get to hang
0: out every Friday with me and Lauren as well sure as the sure if you got Wednesday. a good, uh, if you got a good tax guy, you could probably find a way to write off our Patreon subscription as well. There you if go. It's like, you know, work entertainment or something. Who knows? Yeah, there we go. Good idea. idea. (laughs) (laughs) It's good for my mental health. You know, it's like it's an expense for my health. That's right. That's right. I'm sure you got a good tax guy. They could figure it out. Oh yeah, absolutely. There's a way to
1: write off everything nowadays. Yeah. Um, But also guys, be sure to check out our other shows on our network that are available on the free feeds. Uh, Strange and unexplained wherever you listen and also full house fantasy football podcast. Guys, these, both of these shows are available on all podcast platforms and be sure to subscribe uh, follow, leave a review, a rate, whatever. Even if you're not done with the True Crime Guys catalog, just go and uh, you know, hit follow on there. That way you'll be up to date on new releases on both of those shows. That's
0: right. All right. Well, we hope you guys enjoyed this insane case and uh, have a great week. We will see you next week for another Freeloader episode. Yep. Keep creeping. Keep creeping, guys. True Crime True Guys
1: in the desert, we like a garage. It's okay if you clicked on us because you thought we were True Crime Garage. Now we ain't mad at you, sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the Creeper Army, we out here, make it murder, get murder, murder, get murder. True crime, true crime guys. guys, in the desert we like a mirage. It's okay if you clicked on us, cause you thought we was True Crime Garage. Now we ain't mad at you, sit down, let us talk at you. I'm talking to the Creeper Army, we out here, make it murder, charming.
0: You hush your mouth, boy.